The iGaming Business Podcast is proudly sponsored by BetRadar, the world's number one betting services provider. Are you looking to boost your profits or optimize your customer engagement? Over 600 clients across 30 countries can't be wrong, relying on BetRadar's market-leading sports betting solutions to enhance their offering. Find out what BetRadar can do for your business at BetRadar.com. BetRadar, driven by facts. You're listening to the IGB Pod, hosted by iGaming Business Deputy Editor, Hannah Ganajay-Stewart. Welcome back to the pod, iGamers. Things are slightly different this time round. Instead of the usual news roundup and interview format, we have a snippet from last month's Lisbon Affiliate Conference, where I was joined by four industry experts to discuss the impact of emerging markets on affiliates. The discussion focuses heavily on the US and Asia, where panellists Peter Friedane, Alan Petrelli, Monica Rangel and Ricard Wickstrom say opportunities abound. Before that, though, I caught up with Rick's digital founder, Jamie Lewis, as the conference came to an end to see how Portugal had treated his fledgling digital agency. Okay, we're here at Lisbon Affiliate Conference. Um, It is the end of the second day. Everyone's on the beers. People are playing games. It's the usual end of uh, our affiliate shows. I've managed to um, capture Jamie Lewis from Rick's Digital to have a bit of a chat on the podcast today um, and give us some highlights from the show and what he's seen. Hello Jamie. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you very much for joining me. Um, so you're, you're sort of, Rick's Digital is a fairly new business, you've been in the market for about three to six months, is that right? Yeah, um, this business, yeah. Yeah, we traditional sort of performance marketing but applied to iGaming. Tell us a little bit about how you guys are going about it and why it's different from uh, what else we're seeing at the show. Sure, I mean, we generally believe that the model that currently exists on the large scale in this industry is on the CPA model is uh, damaging to everyone, to both parties. It doesn't make sense. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, reasons why people would do it well. Um, there are a finite number of affiliates and there are a finite number of operators so for true relationships to be formed there needs to be some longevity there you know Um, so we look to set up agency deals which look to optimize towards high value players or higher depositing players or regular customers um, instead of just trying to get in the cheapest possible players. And it's a bit of a controversial view at a show where there's so many sort of traditional affiliates, but you've had a surprisingly kind of positive reaction from operators, you were saying. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the operators are, for the first time in my conference lifetime, uh, really open to what we're doing. I mean, everyone from the big gaming companies to the little tiny brands that we've never heard of, everyone seems to be quite interested in what we're doing. Everyone wants to set up a test month. So we're really looking forward to seeing how this comes forward for us. And did you get any sort of feedback from them on sort of what the appeal is in comparison to the standard kind of offering that they're getting from affiliates? Well, I think if the way you look at it, if I send you 100 players and I get them in at 30, 40 pound each, uh, optimizing for the lowest possible value, um, then on a 100 pound CPA deal, then I'm going to make 8,000 pounds. And that means that the operator is going to give me 8,000 pounds. If I do this on a agency deal, then what is going to happen is I'm going to get you 100 players for £6,000 and I'm going to charge you 20% of that. So in fact, £8,000 versus £1,200 is a big difference. It's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. And are you um, sort of looking for particular types of operators to make this work or, you know, in terms of kind of going out there and finding other people to sign up to work with? Not necessarily. I mean, we're innovators of what we do. I mean, we 
invented this style of marketing that we do, which is a content marketing uh, through Facebook style. Um, and to be honest, all we want is operators who are willing to let us try new things, uh, put pixels in new and interesting places, and really sort of, you know, push it to its limits and see how far we can actually get with this, you know? Well, good luck with it. It sounds like it's sort of picked up while you've been here. Is there anything else? I mean, how has the show gone down? It's the first time that we've been in Lisbon. I don't know if you've been to the previous ones. I think you've been to London. How have you found it as like a venue and a location? And It's been great. To be honest, Lisbon's gorgeous. I've, I've always wanted to go to Lisbon anyway. So just to be able to do that on the back of what we do is, is fantastic, you know. Um, but people have a bit more time for you. They're happy to sit down and discuss what it is you're doing. And that's quite nice, you know. London's a little bit more hustle, bustle, yeah. busy. Hey, yes, no, yes, whatever, I'm off. Um, and then, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to get business done. So we've had some good meetings. Some fantastic You'll meetings. You'll be back, will you, for yes. the next one? Yes, if we come back, if uh, IGB comes back to Lisbon, then we'll definitely be here. You'll be here. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to the IGB pod. So we're going to talk about emerging markets. Where is the untapped potential? Um, I think the best thing to do is let them introduce themselves. So do you want to start? Absolutely. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Ricard. I run a company called Internet Vikings. We are helping uh, gambling operators and affiliates to build SEO. Doing that for 10 years and currently doing it in 50 different markets all over Asia, uh, Middle East, Europe, Latin and uh, US. So, quite interesting to be here to talk about uh, where to go next, especially from Scandinavia. Hello. Uh, Hello. Oh, there we go. I'm uh, Peter, and I am head of affiliates for uh, Income88, which is solely working towards Asia. Uh, and I made the move from working in the European uh, business uh, of iGaming since February. So. For me, that's a uh, that's the market to go to, but we will discuss this uh, discuss further on. <laughs> yeah. Hi everyone, my name is Monica Rangel. I'm the CEO for the Global Lottery Corporation. Um, our company is um, owns several licenses across the world in the lottery sphere, uh, mainly government-owned. Um, lotteries, many of them in emergent markets, so it makes perfect sense that we're speaking here today. Um, and hopefully we'll provide some insight on the next steps to go. Um, I'm Alan, I head up uh, iGaming to Mundo Media. Uh, we're a large mobile uh, network specializing in app installs in UA pretty much across the world. Uh, currently looking into geos such as India, Latin America, Africa, so we'll chat about that a little bit as well. So that was where I was going to start, actually. I was going to say, where do you guys, what are the hot tips for the next year in terms of new geos to head to? Where should people have their eyes? I can start. Um, yeah. You think, I've been a lot to, uh, to Asia this year, but also in uh, G2E last week. But the Asian market is quite interesting, both from uh, Peter's perspective, but to see, what, because there's uh, so many people there. And... If you compare it to like Scandinavia, Germany, UK, so I would say APEC. Okay, so we we'll start with APEC because I know <laughs> I know Peter has a quantity of information about this area <laughs> that he can share. Um, it's not the easiest region to get 
affiliate buy-in, is it? And to kind of get people to work with there, it's a, it's a difficult market to tap into. Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges. Well, to to get local affiliates is quite quite easy, uh, but they don't have the same knowledge about SEO and how to how to really um, um, get into the right keywords and um, stuff like that. But to, the problem to get uh, the European affiliates is for me that the focus is like 100% on maybe Scandinavia at the moment. So for someone to look into like give 2% of their of their focus on Asia with which they don't have the knowledge of the language and stuff like that and the conversion rates are a lot lower which will may, probably make them lose interest of uh, keep pushing so that's the big issue they they try and they show some interest but they don't fully commit and i can see why but to be a first mover i think is a is a smart choice yeah so there's kind of a there's there's a sort of a lack of long-term view in some respects with some of these markets in the respect that there is money to be made in europe still at this time so the kind of push to the emerging markets is a slightly difficult sell exactly and i i, I can understand that you you want to focus on markets the way, way, where you know the language and you know what return you get. Um, the thing with Asia is that the reward can be so much higher than you can get in uh, in uh, Europe uh, if you if you focus on it and and do it. And do I mean, tell us a little bit about why that is because it's not just the fact that obviously <coughs> it's a vast region and there's a number of countries there that you could tap into, but there's a difference in. The engagement of the player, right, and the way that they engage with operators and sort of lifetime value. Yeah, but it's like it's the conversion rates are lower because a lot of people don't have money, but there's also like becoming a middle class uh, in in more places of of Asia, and um, once you get them, they 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 want to feel that they can trust the trust the company because. Like for instance, in China, I think that's it's like seven thousand casinos, and it's a lot of like dodgy, dodgy shit going on. <laughs> so, if you make a deposit there and you win some money, you want to withdraw. Yeah. And uh, the the casino has existed, so, um, or it's uh, gone gone off the market. Um, so they want to they want to know that they can get fast withdrawals. Uh, and that it's a company to trust. So if they if they come in with a deposit, they usually stick for a, for a longer period of time. Yeah. And also the the competition is not as great. So in Scandinavia, it's a bonus war. Yeah. So you don't have to do that in the same uh, same way in Asia at the moment. Yes. So. <laughs> if you get in now. Yeah. If you get in now. Um, Rickard, do you have anything to add to that in terms of kind of what the benefits of going into that market are now and sort of how they outweigh perhaps the slight difficulties in dragging yourself away from more established markets? No, but I agree. Uh, it's like there is a lot of people there. There is a growing middle class. And the problem have been, if, especially if you look at the Chinese uh, operators, there have been so many... Like, uh, like scams, super black casinos. That's have so the trust of a casino have declined, but or never been there from from the start. Uh, it, and that trust needs to be built a little bit like how, uh, like if you look at the Scandinavian casinos from Malta that did fast payouts, they did like build a brand, and 
people started to trust those casinos. They didn't know that, okay, if I win, I will get the money in 15 minutes. Those kind of things have been driven market in, uh, in Europe. And that will come to uh, all over the world. Uh, but it will take longer for some countries. Monica, um, <laughs> yeah. actually, I'd like to add something on, on what you were talking about, about how affiliates can engage with these markets. Mm -hmm. I do agree when you talk about Asia, and actually uh, South America would also be a good example on good emerging markets, and the problem is exactly the same. Right. The first one is language, definitely. Second is the value of the player. Most affiliates here in Europe are very, and I should say badly accustomed to, very ICPAs, very good payment per player, but the fact is that you realize you're, you know, meeting your investment point comes much faster than in these other markets. The value of the player is lower, but it compensates over two things, time and sheer amount of players. Oh, the yeah. volumes are much higher. So basically what we're talking about here for affiliates to come into these markets is for them to understand that to go in, first you can start low with the languages, as we were talking about, understanding the language and the culture of these emergent markets that you're going into. But secondly, you do have to see this as a partnership. You cannot hope to get the same deal that you're getting in Scandinavia, because let's face it, that's going to last for, what, one more year until Three regulation months. really goes into force? <laughs> and then you'll be forced to, 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 to bend your arm and go, I would do it in a much smoother way and take advantage of your knowledge. Yeah. You're so much more knowledgeable than affiliates in those places, let's face it. I've met a lot of Asian affiliates and also affiliates in South America, and they lack your knowledge, the knowledge that affiliates have in Europe. So why not take advantage Go of that? Go and take advantage of it. The other thing I think is, when the UK market first opened or in Scandinavia first opened, a lot of affiliate managers had time to sit down with affiliates and help them build out their sites, their traffic, and they worked hand in hand with it. In these markets, you know, people want to sit down with affiliates and, and help them understand how to drive traffic and build their businesses. But there's a reality that a lot of affiliates outside of this industry are targeting these markets aggressively and buying traffic in these markets to drive traffic to iGaming brands. And if, you know, iGaming affiliates don't concentrate on that, they're going to get blown out of the water eventually. So they need to get in, you know, relatively soon or a lot of that market share is going to be taken up quite quickly. Yeah, so there's that push from competition, but there's also this sort of, spreading risk right which we just touched on a little bit regulation is getting harder in Europe these markets are kind of less and less easy to operate in some ways if you build out a portfolio you can hedge some of that right I mean would that be sort of one suggestion as well are there um, any negatives uh, yeah. to kind of doing that you know operating in more than one jurisdiction you in have that way? your portfolio when you talk about portfolio I would see it as a two-way <laughs> part one part would be product portfolio and yes, I do feel that it should be more diversification on that. Uh, and the other part is what you have in terms of content portfolio, in terms of the websites that, that you have and that you're, you're promoting. On the product portfolio, I would say that you have to really start understanding the culture of these countries that you're going into. Again, I know I'm, I'm stepping on this point, but it's so important. Um, for example, in my area, lottery. Uh, and I'll give you the example of the country where we're in, Portugal. <laughs> Lottery is a huge part of our culture. We start with our kids or grandkids. They pick out the numbers for the lottery that your grandpa's going to play next weekend. Mm. After that, yes, introduce them to casino, to esports, to um, sports betting. You have to know the tipping point, but to start. 
In Asia, it's all about the games with the symbols of the zodiacs and the horses. Eight, eight, seven, seven. Yeah. In Brazil, you have Jogo de Bicho. So let's talk about also diversifying what the affiliate produces, not yeah. only what we offer as operators, but what is produced as content from the affiliates. Why does a person that has never heard of real sports betting, that has never heard of a Cheltenham race in the UK, why do they care about reading about it in Chinese yeah. for, for the sake? I'll pass the ball over to you. I don't know if I have that much to add to it, but I totally agree that if you want to penetrate Asia, for instance, uh, I think it's better to do one country and do it good than just, okay, let's, let's just do some websites and, and think that everyone is the same because during the short time that I've been in... Um, in uh, Asia, I've seen that the, the markets that we are in is very different from each other. Like Japan, they want to read like for hours if they if yeah. <laughs> there will be content enough. Uh, Thai people don't want to read. Um, Vietnam is also like a bit of a mix. Um, so this is another argument as well, isn't it, for sort of affiliates having a close relationship with their operator and being able to learn from them yeah. about to gain that knowledge of the the market. I mean, is it is there a difficulty in achieving that at this stage, and where, where do you think that can be improved, and how? <laughs> can, can I add <laughs> it's something? It's a perennial to problem. Can I add one thing that I, I think understanding your market is really key. If you look at somewhere like Japan, I've seen a ton of affiliates try to make football betting work and football is decently big in Japan but baseball is massive in Japan so if you want to actually target that market why you're not pushing MLB betting and things like that or their local baseball leagues where people are fanatics around it they get tons of fans you know if you're pushing some sports in Spain obviously a lot of people are going to push soccer but why are you not looking at uh, basketball NBA their local basketball leagues like you need to localize what you're doing or you're going to end up really struggling to convert players for a long period of time. And, and, and that touches on what you were talking about, a communication. Communicate with your operator. I mean, I feel I, I started in this industry over 10 years ago in, in the affiliate marketing realm. And one of the things I, I feel nowadays is you don't get the communication anymore. You get a subscription online. Give me some banners. Oh, give me a customer review because I don't even want to do it most of the times, which is fine. I get it. <laughs> it costs money and time. But uh, no, talk to them. Find out what's working. They'll tell you, seriously. They Operators, they have every interest in the world that you make the right choices It's an affiliate because then it gets super targeted for them. And when an um, Asian comes, uh, uh, player comes over to bet on baseball, he's probably going to bet more and in, in more increments because he knows what he's betting on. He feels that he knows his, his, his play, his territory. You know. So. so one market that we haven't touched on yet, which is... I can't believe we've got this far in without mentioning it, is the US. Um, obviously, that's a big issue at the moment. We all know that that's opening up. What are the opportunities for affiliates there? Because it isn't a simple... I mean, maybe we should start with Alan, because I know that you've been, you've been doing some work out yeah. in New Jersey and you're quite familiar with how it's working. It, what it's, are the limitations for affiliates there? It's funny you mentioned the US. We were just talking about markets. It's as if an operator would launch in the US and go with straight football offers from UK teams. We know if you're going to go in the U.S., you have to have NFL, you have to have NBA. That's where you're going to specialize in. And a lot of times when people are going to other markets, they're bringing products that work where they are now, and they're not going to convert. So I think the U.S. is a good example. We're actually going through the licensing procedure in New Jersey right now. 
there's a, I've been saying this for four years, I've been on panels about it, that it's insanely easy to actually get licensed in, in New Jersey. There's a lot of people who think it's very difficult. If you want to work on a CPA, a CPL, a CPC, it's literally two forms. It doesn't cost you any money. You don't even need to deal with their legal jurisdictions. You apply through any of the operators that are operating there. <coughs> and, you know, New Jersey's been interesting for three or four years because we knew it was the gateway from a casino opportunity and poker opportunity across the U.S., now with sports betting being legal, you know, countrywide and different jurisdictions looking at when they're going to fully launch, like we looked at the numbers that New Jersey did in September. You look at someone like DraftKings, I think they did 10 million in revenue in uh, just in September. I think FanDuel did three or four and then a lot of other operators were following suit. And, you know, if we, I guarantee you, if you talk to 10 affiliates here, there's eight of them sitting on U.S. traffic that they're currently not monetizing, not doing anything with. And... While the opportunities might still be small and you wouldn't be making a ton of money in that, if you look at the U.S. market, it's going to blow the U.K. out of the water significantly in the next, I wouldn't say one or two years, but five to seven years, it's going to make the U.K. look like it's, I would say, very small and minimal. So, And if you think of the U.K. size of the market and how much money people make there now, you know the market opportunity is, is massive there. So I think getting in early, like we said, first movers in that market is going to be key. But yeah, it's I, like, <clears throat> like Peter said, it's just you need to put some time into it because you can't see the U.S. as one market because you have Pennsylvania, you have New Jersey, you have Nevada. But you might have other states opening up in the next three to five or two to five years. But you need to put some time into it. And every, all the affiliates are kind of lazy and they've been focused on the Scandinavian market, making so much money in Scandinavia that they haven't need to do anything else. Uh, and now when like the affiliate market is more maturing, it's bigger companies, it's a consolidation, that will start driving uh, these bigger affiliate companies to go elsewhere. And they need to put someone to work with the U.S. They need to put someone to work with uh, Brazil and so on. Do you get a sense for the U.S. being more appealing as a market to affiliates at the moment? Because perhaps it's slightly more familiar, it's slightly more... <laughs> Are people more keen I mean, to go there if, than say APAC? If you look at the U.S. market, I don't know the exact number in front of me, but illegal bets were taken in the realm of like 1.5 billion, billion last year. Yeah. And we're talking about a very small portion of the market that bets on offshore bookies. And we're talking about people who are skilled bettors, not your average... I don't know, uh, you know, mother at home who's going to go play a slot at a casino once they launch it, or someone who's just turning 18 in the U.S. who wants a sports bet and never had the opportunity. So the market there is massive for that. And I think there's a lot of people that are taking a look at it and being a little bit slow. And I think there's a lot of, I mean, so myself, we come from outside of iGaming and brought a lot of our traffic into iGaming. There's a lot of big networks and a lot of big media agencies that are putting a lot of effort towards these geos and are able to do really big volumes. And they're working hand in hand with operators in each of these jurisdictions now. So, you know, when a smaller affiliate comes on board in two or three years and they're trying to get their attention of their head of affiliates, you know, you're going to concentrate with people who are making you money three years down the road, mm -hmm. and you're not going to have the same amount of time to dedicate that you would now, for example, trying to help someone get, you know, going in that market. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to Yeah, and it's yeah. also one thing. It's what you said. It's overcoming the taboo. Ten years ago, when we came in, when I came into the industry, um, we were leaving the U.S., and for many, many years, the U.S. was like the forbidden fruit. <laughs> you know, even talking about it, we, we, got, we, we looked over our shoulders. Um, I think it's kind of a relearning process. As Alan said, there's lots of people that are overlooking their U.S. traffic, which is important. But it's also important for affiliates to realize how easy it is 
as Alan said, to get a license, to actually promote in the US, and to get back that traffic. But first of all, I think we need to get zoom in on the fact that it's not taboo anymore. You can actually do it. <laughs> Seriously. Do it. <laughs> Lots of people still look, still and think US and, and go... And I think we're, we're a young industry. I think people forget how massive the market was before it became <laughs> unregulated, I don't know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago. Like it, it was massive. It blew any other market in the world out of the water. And we're talking just in the start of when digital was it's you know, interesting that growing. You guys Sorry to cut in. It's interesting that you guys talk about overlooked uh, traffic because I was thinking, you know, we know that there's a slight reticence to move away from the tried and tested markets where we know there's money to be made, we know how it works, and we're familiar with the regulation. Is What's the best way to identify the market you should target? Is that one way? Should people be think, checking where the traffic's coming from and working out where that untapped potential is for their own businesses rather than just choosing a market and heading into it? Um, I, For me... I think you can't go that way right now because you can even get, if I build a website here in Portugal, naturally, my natural traffic's probably going to be more from around here. I think you have to reverse engineer it. You have to be a businessman about it. Think about, for example, the US. Think about how many inhabitants does it have? What's the per capita in that country? You can find that on Wikipedia. You don't need to be an economist or a manager. Just find out, okay, this country, they make this much per month. This is how much they pay for coffee. Okay, mm, they maybe have a penny extra to spend. Yeah. And then think think of affiliate as a business. It wasn't 10 years or 20, as you said. It wasn't a business. It was just people sitting at home, drinking lots of coffee and playing on the computer. It's a business now. So think of it as a business. Look at it analytically and not as a, mm, I really like horses, so I'm going to promote in the UK. <laughs> or, yeah. I like baskets, so I'm going to do. No, just really go down to the nitty gritty of it. And like you would in any business, sure. do a proper study, a competitor's analysis on other affiliates, which, by the way, are not your friends, they're your competitors. <laughs> they were friends in the past, but uh, I had this conversation with GP, GPWA's Anthony a few a few years back, you know, we're not that friendly anymore. Those people are competing for the, the same players as you are. So, so go off them. And as you were saying, there's the media companies as well now and the agencies. So actually the competition is great. Well, anyway. I think, and then we touched on this yesterday when we spoke, you know, organizing this panel, that not enough affiliates look at themselves as a business and you look at themselves as, where can I make money now? Where can I make money tomorrow? Instead of saying, where am I going to be in five years from now and build a business plan to get there? We have media companies who have, you know, 100, 500, 1,000 employees who have teams of hundreds of media buyers who are constantly buying traffic. And whether we want to ignore it or not, that's the direct competition of every single affiliate in this space. So if the whole industry kind of doesn't, I don't want to say grow up, but mature a little bit and start looking at each of themselves as a business, it's going to be really hard to compete, I think, in, you know, three or four years. But that's the thing. Like, it's been too easy to do it, as like UK, Scandinavia, and there will be much... Like it will be, it will maturing, and but on the other side in in Asia, for example, or, or um, South America, there will still be so much opportunity out there that it can be these guys sitting at home drinking coffee, just want to see, okay, where can I make the the money tomorrow and the next day? There will be room for everyone because the market is growing so uh, rapidly. So it's both like it's maturing here in Europe, but on the other side, on other parts of the world, it's still like Europe were like seven year, years ago. So you might as well be tapping into that as soon as exactly. humanly possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, aside from the geography stuff, is there anything else that you guys see 
as an emerging opportunity? I mean, there's locations and geographies that people should be moving into, but are there techniques and processes that people should be adopting that offer opportunities for future growth as well? I think like fantasy bet and esports is still quite quite young and uh, untouched, but uh, we also see uh, for our casinos that we that skill skill game casinos are really um, getting interest. So it's not a lot of revenue, but as long when we build the volumes, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good uh, good business. And presumably not to assume that the things that don't have so much um, traffic in Europe aren't going to be the same in other countries. So I guess if you can get into those different verticals, you're kind of in a good place, right, to take that into other jurisdictions. Yeah, but I think it's like, as long as you do your, your homework, you will be, I think you will be fine. And the, like the Asian markets is so many people. So if you just, if you would niche and get a good chunk of that part you're uh, niching in, that will give you a good, 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 good revenues. Good grounding. Like Scandinavia five, six years ago, more or less. Mm. Well, you were saying that you would. You, there was a point where you would have said that going into Sweden was a ridiculous idea, and you wouldn't have done it. Uh, not today. Not today. No, but that, you know, yeah, the, exactly. That, no, that no, change no, yeah. occurred. Yeah, exactly. Like we discussed it yesterday. Like if someone would have told me ten years ago that like the CPA for Sweden for a casino would have been like thirty four hundred euros, or you could get a crazy hybrid or over 50% rev share, I would say like, you're joking, this, this can't happen. The, the value of the player can't be that, that much. But that's what we have currently, and there will be other countries that have matured that will have those kind of CPAs. And the affiliate and operator will be making that money. But it will be, you don't know where, there will be some countries where it won't happen because it will be like a black market, they will close them completely. But some markets will be super good. Yeah. You need to find I, the one. I think, as you said, like one thing to look at, if you walk around this room, everyone's selling 70% revenue share, uh, hybrids that are paying you 200 pounds CPA and 30% revenue share. Everyone's trying to pitch on a payout. But at the end of the day, in these emerging markets, the conversion rates are going to be three, four, five, ten times what we're seeing in this industry. So a $100 CPA might actually make you a boat ton more money than something that you're earning 300 a year. Or if you look at the US market, you know, a typical sportsbook CPA in the UK may range from, I don't know, 30 quid to, to 50 or 60. In the US, in New Jersey, because they're dying for traffic, a lot of brands are paying 200 USD for a sports player. So there's the opportunities for higher payouts in some of these markets. And then, like we said, in the Asian markets, the conversion rates might be lower, but there's so much volume that you need to start taking this into consideration. You know, we work on both sides. We work with operators and publishers. And a lot of publishers come to us and say, oh, I need this rate or I can't run it. And they won't even look at conversion rate or what their EPCs are or things like that. And the best publishers are the ones who are looking at that kind of stuff and determining where they want to work based on actually the money they're making per click. So I think that's something that we really got to start looking at. So, so exploring different models in terms of payment and knowing what's best for your business and your market as opposed to the tried and tested, this is how we've always done it, I don't want to deviate kind of model. And do you guys have, I mean, tips for affiliates that are going to go into these emerging markets? I mean, as from the operator side particularly, like what do you guys want to see in affiliates that are coming to work with you in those areas? What, what's appealing to you in those guys if they, if they want to work in those regions? What do you want to see from them and how do you want that relationship to shape up? For me, I would say that, like showing interest in uh, in the in the market and tr trying to learn and not 
uh, like in Europe, it's like, fetch me this uh, tracker link. I can't, I can't log into my own uh, account and stuff like that. It's like, show interest and that you want to learn and people will help you out and explain how Vietnam works, how Korea works or whatever market. But like, see it as a partnership that you want to build together with the affiliate manager. And uh, I think that's uh, going to go a long way. Okay. Monica, do you have anything to add on that? Um, I, I completely agree. You have to see it as a partnership. Learn. Find out what your target is. Learn about the culture. This is, this is cyclical. This has happened before. When every one, every one of these operators, the ones that have been here for the longest, were in the U.S., they had to learn all of that to go into, the, to, to go into Europe. They had to go and learn what Scandies love, what Latinos like. What, so this is, it's a learning process and a curve. You want to go into emerging markets? Fine, but don't expect to hit them with the same thing over and over again. You were talking about innovation. Innovation here comes from originality, from product, from the relationship with the operator. It doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight anymore. And sorry, I know that... Writing with a cup of coffee on a table is a great idea, you know, to write your novel, have your affiliate website, but it, it's not like that anymore. It's not that easy. You, you get in the limelight by being original and by being in, in, in by targeting to the most uh, in those territories. And in this, so as things professionalize and M&A opportunities are obviously growing, I mean, we were saying as well yesterday that, you know, if you're the first into these markets and you establish yourself, actually... There can be an exit opportunity. It's amazing. There. And then growth. you go and write your novel. Right? I mean, you just have to look at who Katana's bought in the US over the last two or three years, who the gambling.com group has bought, who XL Media is looking at. I mean, these guys are paying five, 10, 15 million for US entities right now that are not doing a ton of business, but they know there's the potential there. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if you follow these big companies and where they're doing MAs, usually they're, they're quite right on where that market's going to blow up next. Yeah, or go where they don't go. Because they will go there eventually. So if they're focused in the U.S., focus somewhere else. Because they, they would need to start buying in other other countries where they currently don't have assets. I think what it comes about, like, I mean, I'm not an, I'm not an operator anymore. I used to be an affiliate manager. But when you speak to an affiliate, we want to know that you understand your traffic and you know what you're doing. Not that you're going to come and pitch that I can do a thousand players a month and my quality is going to be amazing and and I'm the best affiliate you need to work with. Just really understand your business and if you're you know, humble and, you, and you're willing to work with people on growing it, they're going to work with you. You know, people want to work with people, not with numbers, not with robots. And I think the industry has gone away from the partnership approach and relationship approach. Um, I think if you walk around this room, the people you see that have the best relationships are probably guys who were here nine, ten years ago and they have those same friendships still. And I think it's really, like you said, trying to work with affiliates and really getting to know them and know their business. And you'll put the interest in to help them grow if they're going to give it back to you as well. Yeah. Do you guys... Um I mean, in terms of kind of people being worried about sort of reticent to move into these new markets, do you have any advice for them on how much resource they should put into this? You know, how do you protect the business that you've already got going and that's working and that you, you know, you're happy doing and carve out a space for sort of, you know, dipping a toe in another market and learning about it and making sure that those relationships also work? I mean, yeah. I mean, like you would do in R&D and any other company, as I said, you have to make this more into a business. I think that's the key. If you're an affiliate and 100% of your revenue is coming from one country, you take about 20, 25% of your revenue in that specific country you allocate it to something new. Give it 
three, four, five, six months to work. It doesn't, you're not cutting it, move on to the next, find your niche, but do it as you would in a company setting. Yeah. Uh, just be, be smart about it. Don't give away 70% of your revenue just to try something new, because if you fail, that's 70% out the window. Yeah, <laughs> just be the don't don't yeah. get rid of it. Do, be don't the manager behind that. So. Um, but it's but, but, but it's super easy. It's just to like it's political risks. Like in the iGaming space, there is a lot of political risk, and you need to hedge that. You need to do some. If you are like with, I spoke to a friend yesterday doing a lot in Belgium, and the Belgium is closing down, and he said, "Yeah, I have a big problem here, and I need to di diversify my traffic and my income to other countries." And that's what people will need to look into more. And like say 20% or X percent of your revenue needs to be to be able to hedge those kind of risks. Like Australia closed down what, one and a half, two years, two yeah. years ago. Uh, and other other countries, it's simple. It's and a continually and yeah, I think, yeah, fluctuating. I think Ricker can, can probably touch base on this more, but you know, 10 years ago, you can launch a site, it would, it would rank instantly and you'd get a boat ton of SEO traffic and all of a sudden you're making money really quick. That's not how it is anymore. It's not going to happen that you launch 10 sites in the US and in a month you're break even and in six months you're laughing making a whole ton of money. It takes perseverance. It's going to take a business plan. You're going to have to probably pay members of a team or outsource content, things like that. But if you invest properly in it now, it's going to pay the dividends maybe in a year, maybe in two years. It might not be tomorrow. Same with the Asian market. You might not go into it and in a month you know, break even, but in two years you might be sitting laughing at a business that's making you a lot of money every day. So, you know, in any other industry, businesses don't just pop up and blow up overnight. It takes time to grow it. And I think that's what we... we and ours is pretty fast, usually, in yeah. comparison. <laughs> no, but exactly. It's like, usually it takes like three to five years to build a business that does like a few hundred, like a few million euros in revenue. In the iGaming, that could take a like six months. And yeah, that's what people like... Is super are, fast. Yeah, yeah, are used to, but it should take three to five years to do that, that, do that kind of profit and revenue. But we are so lucky to be in this space. Yeah. And, and we're we, a young industry, so three to five years isn't, isn't yeah, that long, exactly. right? Like, Does anyone years. have any questions? I haven't got any on Slido. I don't know if that's because it's not working or <laughs> because you're shy. Um, <laughs> but does anyone have any questions for the panel that they would like to ask before we sort of wrap up? No. You basically bundled the Asian traffic into one Asia. <laughs> uh, could you please expand a little more on the on the different countries and the legislation of the of the Asian market because uh, for me when when I look at from uh, Europe it seems uh, semi black to me so uh, could you please explain it to me a bit so it is a black market like if you compare like China there is a lot of black operators in other countries like Japan there is some there's some in initiatives that's to drive iGaming forward, but there is a lot of resistance in the political. So it's more, Korea is black, so it's more like to understand the different markets and how, like what kind of issues operators are facing, because it, in the end of the day, it's operators are making the money to un and to get the money from, from the players. You have to see, okay, how long have these operators been in business in this country? And to be able to see, okay, will this continue or will there be uh, will they be shut down basically? So it's. I think it comes down to understanding your risk as an affiliate. Like if you're operating in a black market, as an affiliate, there might be very little risk to you operating in that in that jurisdiction, yeah. and the brand's taking on that risk for you. And as long as you trust the brand and you trust that you're going to get paid, 
then being in that market early is not such a bad thing. On the flip side, if you're currently working in the US market and you've been driving offshore traffic for 10 years and you get licensed and they catch you continuing to do it, they're gonna strip your license from you as an affiliate. So you gotta look at what the risks to you as an affiliate are in each of these geos and decide if it's something that's worth it or not. Because let's be honest, there's a million black geos across the, the, the world and people are making a lot of money in them. Is, is it worth it to just ignore all of them? Probably not. But are there certain ones that you might wanna stay away from? Maybe. Yeah, I think the, the risk as an affiliate is, is, is very small, but the, the thing you should do if you're looking into the Asian market is that you really have to do the homework on which partner to trust and to, to put in uh, the relationship with. Um, yeah, if, if you don't believe that you're going to be paid every month uh, on your uh, earnings, then you should probably not work with them from the first, uh, from the start. Like, really check that they have a license. That's like the basic thing. There is like the, with the Kagan license in the Philippines? Packer and, yeah. Okay, Packer. So you have license in, in the Philippines. That's where like most of the operators are operating out of Manila. And some guys are using uh, the Curacao license, some are using the, the Maltese license, but that people actually have a license. That's where to start because I've seen some operators that are saying they have a license, but if you check on the on like MGA on the website, like in Malta Gaming Authority's website, there is no license for that company. So that's where I would start. And there's there's a lot. I mean, we have an office in Beijing. There's a lot of companies who state that they have licenses who are not operating properly in these shields. So do your research basically yeah. before you go in. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, guys. everyone. Thank you. Guys. Thank you. Really appreciate it. some technical issues who knew batteries could run out we were a little late to the podcast this month so look out for the next one back on schedule last wednesday of this month